Hey, why don't you open your Bibles to First uh, Samuel chapter four? It's where we're going to be this morning. You guys may have saw on uh, Facebook, or I, I think it was mentioned last week, but uh, Mariah and I and Nick and Rachel got an opportunity to to go away last week and uh, attend the uh, Oregon Calvary Pastors and Wives Conference, and such an awesome time uh, that we had there, just getting to know other churches, uh, just seeing what is going on, uh, what God's doing uh in Calvary Chapel through Oregon. It's pretty amazing. So um, be praying for the Calvaries in our state, um, all the churches in our state, but su- such such an awesome thing to just see what God's doing statewide. Um, it's so cool to just come together with other uh, pastors. And I was joking around with them saying that I'd finally get to eat at the big kid table. And then they hazed me for it. So it's all right. It was all good. I'm I'm alive. So 1 Samuel chapter 4, and uh, if you guys are first-time visitors or or whatever, welcome. Good to see you guys. Uh, We go verse by verse through the Bible, and and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 4 this morning. Uh, We've been going, um, we've been seeing God just do this work in this little faithful boy named Samuel um, through the faithfulness and the trust of his mother, Hannah, Samuel was dedicated to the Lord at, at a young age, and, and we see Samuel just faithfully serving where he can, uh, and God really doing a work. Uh, last week, we in chapter three, we see Samuel bring, um, uh, God bring Samuel a message, rather, and and just really seeing God use Samuel in, in mighty ways, even as a young boy. We're also seeing kind of in con- contrast to that, that uh the high priest Eli and his corrupt sons that God's dealing with that in his own way and brings kind of this message to Samuel saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to bring judgment down on Eli and their sons for being unrepentant, for being corrupt, for, for not following me, for not walking in the way I want to walk. So we're, we're kind of seeing this compare and contrast where God's in a season of transition uh, with the, with Israel and as I read through today and, and prepared the message, I got to a place where it's just like, you know, the I read it and it was just like, okay, this is why some churches don't do verse by verse Bible study. This is a tough one sometimes. Um, the message kind of today, our takeaway from it is sometimes God lets us lose. Sometimes God just allows us to lose. And oftentimes in the Bible, we see stories of just God doing miraculous things with the Israelites. Uh, Today, God's just going to let the Israelites lose. Just take one on the cheek. Um, But chapter four, uh, we're going to see this battle between Israel and the Philistines. Uh, Chapter four also fulfills a promise made in chapter three. I just want to remind you guys of, of that promise that God made in chapter three. And this is important because it shows us that God keeps his promises. Our God is a God that, that does keep his promises. And, and so in chapter three, verse 11, he says, the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that will cause everyone who hears about it to shudder. And on that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I had said about his family from the beginning to end. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever forever. 
because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I've sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out uh, by either sacrifice or offering. And as we read about this promise played out in this uh, battle today, we're going to see Israel, uh, again, they're going to have a really bad day today. Not going to be a good time for them. It's going to be a time of, of crisis, a time of desperation for Israel this morning. And uh, we're going to, we can take a few examples this morning and just apply them to our lives. Because I don't know about you guys, I, I, from time to time, feel like I get into a place of crisis or have trials. And anybody else, or just me? Uh, just me. Okay. <laughs> um, but we see in this time of desperation and and crisis that Israel just does really rely on themselves. Uh, they rely on uh, a superstitious rituals uh, rather than seeking the Lord and trusting in him. And that just makes me go, what are we doing when, when, we, when life gets hard for us? Are we doing the same thing? Are we, are we putting our trust in ourselves? Are we relying on ourselves? Are we relying on God? Are we trusting in God? I don't, maybe some of you have like a lucky rabbit's foot too that you bring out. That's essentially what uh, Israel does today. The blessing of God's presence are offered through his grace and mercy, yet without the need for personal, or, or yet not without our need for personal obedience and his commands. If I could just wrap up the whole thing today, that's, that's what we're gonna look at. God's presence is there, but without personal obedience to, to God, there's, there's a, sometimes there's, there's uh, some learning that, that God has for us through that. So, um, so we're going to see Israel handle their crisis in a way that wasn't honoring to God and not obedient to his will. And we're going to see, uh, we're going to see that sin that leads to a slaughter that leads to sorrow. How's that for a, just a real positive message this morning, sin, slaughter, and sorrow this morning. Uh, verse one though, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. So a little bit of backstory on the Philistines and who they are. Uh, Philistines just kind of a word that means pagan. So there's just these, uh, this pagan country uh, that kind of neighbors of Israel. And at the time of this, the time of the judges, there wasn't a lot of, uh, there, there wasn't some old ruling nation trying to conquer nations. It was, it was pretty peaceful. So Israel is just kind of feuding with a, a few of the more local nations around them and, and Israel could really hold their own against most nations. Um, they had a pretty good army, but the Philistines, they, they would give them a run for their money. And it's mostly because the Philistines, uh, geo geographical location, they were located on the coast. 
They had access to uh, better trade routes. They could get up to Greece where Greece had better weapons. They had spears, helmets, armor, uh, things that the Israels didn't have. Uh, I have read that the Philistines were the first ones that could uh, really cast things with iron and they took full advantage of that. So made the Philistines a worthy opponent in battle. But we see here at the beginning of our text that the Philistines and the Israelites do go to battle and the battle does not end well for Israel. It says about 4,000 Israelites were killed in this battle and Israel was defeated. I want you guys to notice here, there's no mention of seeking the Lord before they go out into battle. There's no mention of, uh, man, let's pray about this before we do this. Let's get into some scripture. Let's worship. I think that's our first takeaway in our text this morning is that we'd see right off the bat, Israel's in a place where, where they're not seeking the Lord. They just jump right into battle. And uh, it's, it's because of the time era that they're in. I think I mentioned last week that it's, it mentions that this time of judges was one of the darkest times in the history of Israel. It said men just did what they wanted. They didn't seek the Lord. So no surprise that they're not doing this on the battlefield because they're not doing this in their personal lives. They've strained so far away from God that they're, they're not seeking God. Now we're going to see that they still believe they're God's chosen people and that they, they think that counts for something, and, and it does, but we're going to see here that, again, God, God, lets, them, uh, God lets them loose today to, to show them. Verse 3, And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hands of our enemies. So Israel just gets wiped out, loses 4,000 soldiers, goes back to camp and regroup doing a little bit of planning on what they're going to do next, playing out what just happened on the battlefield. And we see the elders. uh, I think we're on the right track here. At least this elder who said this, he says, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? I kind of shocked to see that and not, uh, you know, why didn't, or like, let's go get more troops. Let's go get some of that fancy armor. What do we have to do to beat the Philistines? It looks like the elders on the right track here. He knows it's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual problem this morning uh, that they were facing. And he says, why has the Lord defeated us? So I like that the elders on that right track, he goes, why did God allow this? And that's a question we hear all the time, right? As Christians, why does God allow things like this to happen? In the case of the Israelites, it's because they had not been faithful to God. Again, this is a super dark time for Israel. And we're seeing that even the priests running the tabernacle are corrupt. 
They're taking more than they should be. They're caught up in sexual immorality. The high priest Eli is not doing anything about it. He's just letting it happen. Uh, and it, we even see a point last week where it got so bad that uh, people didn't even want to go to the tabernacle to make offerings because they were scared they were going to get bullied by these two sons of Eli. But again, not just the priests, but everybody in this time, they just did what was right in, in their own eyes. Um, I want to just look at Deuteronomy 28. It says that God tells them straight up how blessed they're going to be if they keep his commands and be obedient. And then in verse 15, he kind of switches and goes, and here's some consequences if you're disobedient. I'll just read um, 15 and I'm going to drop down to 25. It says, but if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following his commands and statutes, I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overtake you. He dropped down to verse 25. There's tons of verses in there that talk about <laughs> what's going to happen if you disobey God. But verse 25 says, the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. So this is information they had. So the question here, why did God allow something like this is, is because God, again, is a God that doesn't break promises. And, and God said, hey, this is what I'm going to do if you don't obey me, if you don't listen to me. And that's where they were at as a nation. They thought because uh, they were God's chosen people that God would just take care of them and fight this battle. But again, God keeps his promises. That should be a good thing for us, right? There's a lot of promises of God that are so good. But the elders were onto something uh, saying, no, this is a spiritual problem. This is something we need to look into. Then they immediately just go, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant. That's a good idea. Uh, that was not the right answer. They were on the right track, but they, they didn't quite get there. They were maybe blinded by their own sin. But I think uh, the better response was, yeah, this is a spiritual problem, and we need to call on our army. We need to call on our nation uh, to repent, to confess to God that they were living lives of sin and not of God and commit to uh, turning their lives towards God. But instead we get this, hey, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant in. And, uh, and, and that's where we just get this superstitious, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant's gonna save the day here. And there's some power in the Ark of the Covenant. You guys have seen the Indiana Jones movie, right? Kind of like that. Um, but the Ark of the Covenant is, is just a physical representation. And, and we're going to see that. Uh, verse four, it says, so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. 
And so they send for the Ark of the Covenant, not even worried about all the laws and everything they just did to, there's a whole section on how Israel is supposed to handle the Ark of the Covenant. It got so far, the high priest would only go in there once a year to the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant, this golden box, this presence of the Lord, or uh, this representation of the presence of the Lord. Uh, it's a physical representation of God's presence. It was a golden box that held uh, the tablets of the law. It held uh, uh, some manna from, from back then. I get on my manna joke kick if you guys want me to. Um, and just held some other awesome things to just remind the people of Israel how great God is and how awesome his power is. What they were missing was it was just a representation. But they worshiped this box. And again, I guess I want to backtrack real fast and just say, just everything that went into getting, uh, how many laws were broken just to get this uh, ark. The ark was not supposed to be moved unless they were moving the, the tent, the tabernacle that, that it was in. They would go as far as the only the high priest would go in. And so somebody had to go in there and grab it out of there and put it and bring it into battle. And sometimes we're, we just see here, this is kind of our second thing is just sometimes the sin in our life just leads to more sin. The idea behind what they were doing was well, if God isn't going to help us, let's force him to help us. God's not going to let the Ark of the Covenant, this powerful Ark of the Covenant, if that's here, surely we'll win. He's not going to let this get taken. They were using this Ark like a lucky charm, that lucky rabbit's foot. They trusted in the Ark of, the Co or the Ark of God when they should have been trusting in the God of the Ark. And again, weren't even worried about the, the two guys that God just brought judgment on and said, I'm bringing judgment against these two, Eli and, or uh, Phineas and Hophni, Eli's sons. They're corrupt. They're unrepentant. I've given them chances and, and now they're gonna answer for that and, and, and they'll die. And nobody seems to be even concerned about those are the two guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant onto the battlefield. They're just so blinded. They were so into the relics, so into the uh, procedures and, and everything that they, all God wanted them to do was have a relationship with them. I think that would have been much easier to just humble yourself, to, to repent uh, and to put God first. But again, that's what sin does to us. It blinds us. It puts us to a place where we just uh, crave more sin. It separates us from God, stops us from seeing clearly. And that's all God wants from us is a relationship with Jesus rooted in humility where we are able to put him first.
and, and turn away from our sin. We too often let sin get in the way of our life. We force God to try to do our will. That's what the Israelites were doing here. They were trying to force God into doing something. They were tempting God by putting that box there and saying, all right, God, now that your presence is here, you'll do something, right? Instead of just stopping and going, God, we lost. I'm so sorry. Let, we need to be seeking you. God, what would you have for us? Yes, God, we did lose this battle. And God, why did we lose this battle? God, help us win this next one. We want to be on your team. But again, we don't see, we see prayer and uh, any, we're seeking the actual presence of God uh, absent from this scripture. In uh, Israel's case, the sin led them to an experience, uh, an even worse defeat the second time around. Uh, verse six, it says, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout of the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they stood, or then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. The Philistines knew this was weird. They knew this was something that the Israelites didn't carry around with them. They, the Israelites, uh, for, for them to bring that ark into battle, that, that's just, that's unheard of. And they knew that uh, they didn't worship the God of Israel, they didn't worship our God, but they surely knew about him. And we can see that here. It says, God has come into the camp. Woe to us. Such a thing is, they get scared when they hear that our God is there, or at least the Ark of the Covenant is there. That scares them. They knew, uh, they knew of the stories of Egypt. They knew of God rescuing the Israelites from Egypt. And they said, I don't want any part of that. And we like the Philistines often get, uh, know that God is greater and deserves our submission, but yet we often resist um, God instead of submitting to him. Knowledge wasn't their problem. They knew who God was. They just weren't willing to submit to him. Verse eight says, woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the presence of the ark did Maybe it did scare them, but it didn't cause them to give up. It didn't make them feel like giving up. Instead, it actually seems like it had the opposite effect almost. Do you guys kind of see that? Almost made them, makes me think that they wanted to fight harder. They had something to prove. 
I think we can learn a little bit here from these pagans that uh, um, they had courage of desperate men. I think we can learn something from them uh, that we need to show more more courage as Christians, man. I think sometimes that we think that uh, uh, instead of giving up when things look bad, we should just trust in the Lord. Fight harder. Decide we're not going to give up. We're not going to roll over. I think sometimes people, it's a fine line, right? It's like, we don't want to force things, but as Christians, we're not just supposed to roll over and just say, all right, God, you're going you're gonna to do this. Sometimes God wants us to stand up and be courageous and say, I'm going to fight for what's right. It's got to line up with God's will. We're not supposed to be fighting for things that aren't honoring to God, that aren't glorifying God. But when it's something that glorifies God, to have the courage of these desperate men uh, is something I think we can just take from, from the Philistines. <clears throat> it takes courage and per- persistence to, to win these battles. And that's true in our lives too. Um, verse 10, so the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. <clears throat> and again, you, whoa, getting poppy there. Um, you can kind of ask, you know, why, why is God allowing this to happen? These are God's people. And, and yeah, maybe they've messed up, but that's a lot of people to be slaughtered. But I can look at three reasons for this defeat. Uh, First is the Philistines fought with courage. We already looked at that. They were just, they were fighting as people that were desperate. And I'm not sure that the Israelites were in that place. I think um, the Israelites thought that the battle would even be easier because they had the Ark of the Covenant. They said, we've got this Ark, so we can even, we can just even cool off. Um, and finally, God did not uh, God did not bless Israel's superstitious belief in the power of the ark instead of the power of God. God wasn't in that because that wasn't of God. They weren't being obedient to God. God was there to show them, hey, I need you guys to be I need you guys to turn around. We often make that same mistake that believing that that God is with us and and we don't need to try hard. I already said that, but um, sometimes the work will be easy, but other times uh, that might not be true at all, man. The the work might be super hard. So, um, but I, I want to just one more thing before we move on in our scripture. I want you to notice the noise that the Israelites uh, made that seemed to uh, shake the earth, it says. And that almost seems to fuel the Philistine fire as well. Israel got so excited over the ark that their false hope, uh, at, they, it was all in false hope. 
in what it was going to do. They they didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I, I truly think they thought this ark was going to come in and save the day. They were excited so much so that the earth shaked, but it didn't bring God to them. I think that can just show us that sometimes the loud, exciting experience doesn't mean that anything's actually happening spiritually. I think that's one we need to keep an eye out for sometimes. If the Holy Spirit's not in it, it's not, it's not working. And, and just because a bunch of people are gathered and, and being loud and, and, and shouting does not mean that it's pleasing to the Lord. So the sin brought the slaughter. The hardened hearts of Israel caused their destruction. The slaughter on the battlefield now we're going to see leads to just the this, this sorrow that we're going to see in, in the rest of our chapter here as, as we just see uh, things just get even worse for Israel after losing two battles. Verse 11 says, also the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now, when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching for his, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of the Lord. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this uh, tumult mean? And the man quickly told Eli, Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before, before the Philistines and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas are dead and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark, Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died. For the man was old and heavy and he had judged Israel for 40 years. How do you like to be called old and heavy in the Bible? Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, do not fear for you born a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory of God has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. What a heavy piece of scripture there. We just see Eli finding out about the death of his sons. The Ark of the Covenant has been captured. Uh, 
blind 98-year-old Eli falls and breaks his neck and dies. A lot of sorrow. But that's where we can be. That, that's, that's where sin takes us. That's where not following God takes us. It's to a place where life is not good. Sin separates us from God. I want to just focus on, um, I want to focus on just these last couple of verses and uh, we can talk about the sorrow and, and, uh, but I want to focus on the son Ichabod and, and, uh, and the wife who gave birth to, to the son. He, he gets named Ichabod and she has a son and for an Israeli woman to bear a son, that should be good news. That's celebrated because that son carries on a generation. It's something that uh, Israel was really into, carrying on the next generation. So this should have been a, a glorious moment for her to, to bear the son, a healthy boy. And says so she didn't answer. She didn't even regard it. She was so in sorrow about finding out about her uh, her father-in-law and her husband and the Ark of the Covenant that she, she couldn't even get to a place. And, and you can see here, she says, the glory has departed from Israel. That's what Ichabod means, the departed. She names her son, literally, the glory has departed. But in a lot of ways, I mean, we can definitely see that maybe through her lens, the glory had departed. But I think in a lot of ways, this was just the beginning of God's glory for Israel. There's a lot of times, I don't know if you guys have experienced it, but for me and a lot of others, there's, there's times out there where God can work through crisis and just bless our socks off in those moments where we think it's helpless. We wonder why God's, are, God's doing these things. We don't have the full story. It's almost like we're missing a puzzle piece. And it's in those moments where we have to rely more on God. And we have to say, God, I'm going to trust in you that your plan's bigger than mine. I could, man, I, I am uh, the poster child for moments where it didn't look like God was doing anything in my life. It looked, like I was in crisis mode and and put some trust into God and came out the other side just saying, wow, God, that's so awesome that you did that. Um, right now, I'm just, I'm thinking about my dad. Um, a lot of you guys know my dad's in prison. He messed up. He screwed up in a big way. Um, and I talked to my dad every day on the phone. My dad was in a place where he, he was in a bad place. He had just recently, he had a few years ago before he, he got in his accident, he, he was in a place where he was probably going to kill himself um, either on his Harley Davidson or, or elsewhere on drug use or, or whatever. And I just think about this story and how just God 
has worked so much in my dad's life. I met a guy at the uh, pastor's conference this last week. He walked up to me and, and he just said, I know who you are. I said, oh, okay, because I don't know who you are. And he introduced himself and he said, I run the prison ministry at OSP and your dad comes to church every week. And it's so awesome to just see your dad grow and, and just catch fire for God. And even this week, he was supposed to have a, he, he's been waiting, I think, 10 months now for a trial that was supposed to come and uh, possibly reduce his sentence by years. Um, something that's been delayed a couple of times now. And, and, and I kind of I got a whiff that it was possibly going to get rescheduled before, uh, before it even happened. And I couldn't, I didn't even have the courage to tell him because I just knew, man, this is going to, this is going to break him. And when the day came, it was so cool because he texted me the, he had messaged me a few days before and just said, son, I'm, I'm praying and fasting and I'm trusting in the Lord. I was like, that's so crazy to hear my dad say anything like that. And when the time came, it's, it was so cool to just see him be just at peace with that, just at peace that, you know, it's going to come when it comes and I'm going to trust in God. God lets us lose sometimes to help us get back on track. Israel was right to be sad at the loss of the life and the loss of the ark that day. But they should have been confident in knowing that God was going to take uh, take control. God was going to care for them. The glory may have departed for a second, but it departed when Israel's, it didn't, it departed before that day on the battlefield. It departed uh, when Israel stopped repenting and trusting in the Lord. God did remain faithful to Israel and we're, we're going to see that. And God still re remains faithful to Israel to this day. And we will see that God uses this moment to, to direct Israel back in the direction that God wants Israel to go. Just as God remained faithful to Israel, despite Israel's failures, uh, guys, this morning, I want you guys to make that connection that Jesus Christ did the work on the cross uh, despite our failures. Jesus Christ and the work on the cross offers us salvation and forgiveness. And he showcases that same love that God had for Israel through his work on the cross. In closing, I just want to... This is getting wild. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, in closing, I just, I want to just uh, remind you guys that um, don't put your faith in, in things that don't matter. We get so caught up in this game, especially the Western church, man. We can get so caught up in this game of, um, I would say not so much like in Oregon, but like there's other places in the United States and, and, and it happens here where you just get so caught up in 
in the rituals, in going to church. And going to church is a good thing, but not if you don't have a relationship with God. That's what matters more than, than anything else. Reading your Bible every day, that's great. But don't just do it because you think it's going to bless you. Do it because you want to be obedient to God. Don't just pray because it's some motion, something you learned in Sunday school, something your pastor tells you on Sunday morning that's good for you to do. Do it because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do it because that's the way you talk to Jesus Christ. That's the way you communicate with Jesus Christ. That this morning, I just, uh, if, if you're out there this morning and, and you maybe just feel like, maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you just feel like you're in a place where you're losing. I want to challenge you this morning to just make sure that there's not something in your life that's separating you from, from a relationship with Jesus, that's separating you from, from God, experiencing everything God's got for you. If you're in a season uh, where you're going through trials, don't get salty. Don't get to a place where you're blaming God. It's okay to be mad at God for a second, but you also need to understand that, that God might be doing something bigger than you don't understand in your life. But there is consequences to sin. And so I'm here to tell you this morning that we have to, we have to deal with that unrepentant sin. It separates us from God and it's not good. I want to just encourage you guys. I'm going to have the prayer team come up. And if there's something you guys want a prayer for, there's some vice, something holding you down. I encourage you to come up and get prayer for it. Come see one of us after church. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is this morning, come talk to one of us about it. We'd love to talk to you about uh, Jesus Christ. And salvation and what that looks like and and the gifts of salvation heaven on or uh heaven eternal life in heaven